good afternoon and welcome to Costa Rica Real Estate Investments. Today we're going to be talking about escrow services, which typically used in real estate down here and not something that we hear much about down here in Costa Rica, but appears to be pretty prevalent with people in North America. Well, we're talking with Frank Bush and Sheila Hernandez of TLA International Escrow Services, a company that specializes in US style escrow services. Uh, in Mexico and Latin America, but today we're going to be really talking about Costa Rica. Remember, if you have any questions for them or future guests, please place it in the comments. Uh, and remember, guys, to subscribe below in the link. Thanks very much, and let's get straight into it. How are you doing today, guys? Great. Great. Thanks, Richard, for having us. I'm Not Richard. At all. I'm good. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was actually speaking to David Carr the other day, and he mentioned, uh, he brought up the word escrow, and it was something that I'd not heard in Costa Rica that much. Uh, I mean, I personally bought a website once via escrow, um, but down here in Costa Rica, it's, it's, it's not really that well known, but I think it's starting to become a little bit more prevalent. So I thought, who better to speak to than the experts in, uh, in, in real estate escrow? Um, my first question to you guys is, how busy are you guys at the moment? We are quite busy. Ever since October started, I think we've just been on the rise. Every month, we just keep on going up and down in numbers. Um, especially in Costa Rica, I think it's gone up to our second largest market for now. Um, they're just right behind uh, Mexico, especially in Baja California. Um, yeah, you guys are just getting there. And uh, Frank, if you don't mind me asking, why do you think Costa Rica is a growing um, location for you guys? Well, I, I will tell you the biggest reason that it really took off for us a couple of years ago was when the anti-money laundering law passed in Costa Rica and there, uh, as a result of a variety of different things. But from a regulatory perspective, what that required was for Costa Rican escrow companies, which there certainly are a number of them and, and obviously realtors and, and many others that are, are involved in transactions, um, are, were required from a um, evidentiary perspective to provide all sorts of information that candidly is very, very different from the type of information that we are required to either obtain or, or, or get from clients or you know, transaction participants here in the United States. And so I think what really drove the, uh, you know, our particular business was, you know, TLA was started as a an offshoot from a company that I founded 15 years ago called Thomas Title and Escrow. Okay. We, um, we have, uh, TLA is really Thomas Latin America. That's where the name come from, comes from. And uh, having lived and worked in Mexico City and speak Spanish and been involved in Latin business for, we really started doing work in Latin America in 2007. So it's been you know going on um, 14 years at this point, I guess. But the, the we, you know, we really saw the need to sort of export the, um, you know, sort of the, the very safe, secure, flexible, and also sort of licensed, insured, bonded, regulated, uh, uh, you know, sort of way that we do things in the United States, we thought that it would play very, very well in, in parts of Latin America, especially parts of Latin America, where there was, you know, a significant amount of American, um, you know, interest or certainly American dollars flowing there from a, you know, hospitality perspective, from a commercial real estate perspective. And so, you know, we've been very, very active in Mexico and it was really through kind of some twists of fate that we started get, to get a little bit of work in Costa Rica and it's just exploded because what we expect from clients or need from clients is significantly lessened 
lesser, I should say, than what any of the Costa Rican banks or escrow companies are asking for. That frankly, it just seems like complete overkill to most Americans that are used to, or Canadians that are used to doing documents. I mean, providing copies of tax returns and bank statements and candidly, very, very personal information that could you wouldn't really want in somebody else's hands anyway. That yeah. never happens. That doesn't happen in the United States for a closing. I mean, it happens for a mortgage, of course, as you might expect, to provide, you know, sort of underwriting and whatnot, but not for just closing services. So we've really grown because of the way that we do things is is very US style. And you know, we don't have a an office in Costa Rica very deliberately because we've gotten uh, confirmation from the regulatory body that enforces the anti-money laundering law that, um, you know, the way that we do things isn't subject to the law. And so I think that's even helped our growth with realtors and lawyers and others that are that are involved. So it's, um, you know, that's why things have taken off. Now, I think to your question, you know, what I just heard the other day is that Silicon Valley in the United States, which is obviously near, you know, San Francisco, sort of the tech hub here, has discovered Costa Rica. Now, yeah. not to say that it hadn't before, but you know the growth that's exploding in parts of, you know, in Guanacaste, for example, and certainly other areas further in the south, um, it, I think is reflective of, of you know sort of communities in the United States, for lack of a better word, discovering and wanting to have places to go. Uh, especially COVID has obviously accelerated that. We saw it very, very much with Mexico during COVID because borders never closed. Uh, and I think we, we just, you know, there was demand that was being pent up in Costa Rica, which candidly has a very strong rule of law, um, you know, has a great reputation uh, for, you know, things being being sort of, you know, as they as you expect them to be versus, you know, maybe what you find in some other countries. Um, so not disparage, not disparage the other countries we necessarily <laughs> do work in because we work all over Latin America. But I think there's, you know, it's there's a strong legal network, a strong regulatory network in Costa Rica and a strong um, history and tradition of the rule of law. And people from the United States, people from Canada, they really appreciate that. Right. And, and, and yeah, other European countries as well, too, and, and other places. Well, so and anyway, that's what I would say. No, no, I was, I, you know, I was just going to say, because I mean, I think that's a huge advantage of you, again, not being located in Costa Rica, of being, again, I think you guys have offices in Mexico and also in, in the States in Dallas, if I'm correct as well. So you right. kind of are able to understand both sides of the, because a lot of the buyers down here are from North America anyway. So you're able to understand the North American buyer while also understanding the, the, the kind of the Latin uh, kind of, uh, you know, aspect of things as well. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, our staff, everybody in our business speaks Spanish fluently uh, from Shayla to the other escrow officers that work for her and other assistants to the three principals of the business. We're all lawyers. Um, you know, we all have different things that we bring to the table, but, you know, we've just really tried to grow our business by candidly sort of brick by brick doing things the right way, knowing that, you know, honestly, there's a lot I've, I've seen, I've been in this business a long time now. There's a lot of fly by night type of operators, unfortunately, um, that, you know, don't dot the I's, don't cross the T's, don't, you know, get the licensing and regulatory done, don't get the insurance done. Um, and so we haven't tried to go out there and, you know, market all over the place. We've, we've really just picked up market share, I think, by word of mouth. And, and certainly, I mean, I've made trips there, Shayla made trips there. Costa Rica is sort of my part of our portfolio um, as it relates to our, you know, as sort of the business that we have in different countries and different regions. So um, I've spent a lot of time down there now getting to know people and places and lawyers and, 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 and sort of local know-how. Yeah. And so, and so is Shayla. 
Well, I, I, I got a question for Shayla because maybe you can explain this because I'm sure a bunch of the listeners listening in here are like, what are they talking about escrow? What is escrow? I mean, some people know it, of course, because they've experienced it before, but maybe there are some people that don't. So, I mean, just in case they don't, could you give us just a real quick explanation of what it is and how it's used? Yeah, sure. Escrow is just a simple way of getting a transaction done, making it secure for both parties, um, buyer holding funds in the escrow with us. Sorry, you kind of freezed up on me, Frank. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Just, okay. Yeah, having a secure way of getting, oh, sorry, Frank, I'm freezing up right now. Can you help? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer the question uh, if it's just because it's her internet. So I, I would say, Richard, look, you know, escrow is basically it's real estate settlement. You know, it's it's we're an intermediary. We're Switzerland. We're a fiduciary in the middle that helps to make sure that the that funds are settled correctly before any funds are dispersed and that funds are accurately calculated so that we make sure the notario gets the right payment, that the real estate agents get the right payment, the attorneys get the right payment. And of course, that the ultimate the seller gets what he's expecting. And, and of course, that the buyer actually funds the transaction before we do anything else. So it's really a, a dispute or pre-dispute sort of resolution mechanism that is codified in every single state in the United States in terms of the, the state codes. Um, it is not generally codified in most laws um, south of the United States border, but it's certainly something that is a, you know, obviously a very well accepted way of, of uh being able to make sure that everybody gets what they expect out of a transaction rather than a buyer sitting there going, well, I need, you know, seller's got to give me this before I give them the money. And the seller's yeah. saying, well, before I give you the deed, I got to get the money, right? So we we sort of become an intermediary there and make sure that everything gets done um, and, you know, that the parties get what they expect to get uh, with, with a lot less, uh, you know, with no stress, I guess. Uh, like, what do I do? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it gives a layer of security to both parties, knowing that there's a third party involved who's basically managing the transaction for them. So that, that's great. I mean, just to, uh, I mean, again, if someone's thinking about, you know, using escrow, whether they're buying, selling, using escrow, I mean, what do they need to, what do they need to understand? And what are the kind of the cost implications of using it? Um, our, our cost implications are, you know, we charge $1,000 per transaction for most of the transactions that we do in Costa Rica that involve the sale of a residence for oh, commercial, for com 1000 Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot more than that, to be honest with you. I didn't know how much it was going to be. I thought you guys were going to be talking like five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Wow, that's, a, that's very affordable. Yeah, you know, so we, we think so as well. And, and comparatively speaking to some of the other competitors, we, we certainly know that we are, um, you know, that we're, 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 we're very moderately priced, let's put it that way, for the services that we provide. Um, so it, you know, it's pretty simple. I mean, most of, you know, we've worked, it, it may be a little more prevalent than, you know, these days than, than maybe even you think, because we see a lot of other Costa Rican escrow companies. We've, we've certainly heard and seen some of them in the market. Some of them have been associated with law firms. I mean, I feel like some of the law firms sort of just direct business to some that, you know, where they're probably getting a piece of the action on some level, which we are not affiliated with anybody. I mean, we are neutral and independent. Um, by design, because candidly, we don't want to be beholden to anyone. Um, so anyway, but it's very easy to set up. I mean, all you do is just tell us, you know, just email me or Shayla or, or go to tlaservices.com. And um, it, it's, it's quite simple to set up. The documentation is not very long. We look at the purchase and sale agreement, whatever, 
you know, whether it's a real estate contract for the purchase of a house or for the purchase of land or however complicated or less, you know, or uncomplicated it is, um, it's very easy to set up. And that's basically the cost structure that you're looking at. That, of course, doesn't include the, you know, any transfer taxes or, or notary fees or, of course, your legal fees. But um, but that's really what it costs to for us to provide the services and get all the wires out and make sure that everything gets balanced and settled and dispersed. Awesome. Well, I, I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, there are a lot of escrow services out there. Um, some good, some okay, some not so good. Um, you know, I mean, in your opinion, I mean, for listeners here that are like, look, I potentially I'm looking to use an escrow company. Uh, what do you think that they, the questions that they should be asking, what should they be looking for when choosing, choosing an escrow company? Yeah. I mean, first thing I would ask is, you know, are they regulated? Yep. Right. Who, you know, th- th- I mean, that would certainly be one. Are they insured? What does the insurance look like? You know, insurance, um, you know, can be difficult to obtain essentially for errors and omissions and cyber theft and cyber crime and, and fidelity as well, which is fidelity meaning crime policies. So, you know, those are all very typical things that we are, those are like kind of baseline starters in the United States for what we would expect, um, you know, an escrow or title insurance agency to have. So I would certainly ask about insurance. I would ask about regulation. I would ask, what is their software? You know, what kind of policy, what kind of operational infrastructure how are they running things you know who are their banks can i get a banking reference Um, all of those things are important and i would also say just generally speaking in costa rica very specifically is you know if what kind of know your client or you know client identification documents and, and other supporting documentation are they going to require as a result of, you know, selecting them to provide services. Those are all very big questions that I would ask to any Costa Rican provider um, before I were to go do business with them. I mean, I think that's applicable really across the, the country, but or across the, you know, sort of wherever you are. But I certainly think in Costa Rica, those would be important questions. Shayla, is there anything else you would add to that? No, I think you got it covered. Awesome. Well, I, I mean, you know, because you know, I'm sitting here thinking at the moment, you know, typically here in Costa Rica, you know, when I've bought houses or sold things before, you know, it's just straight with a lawyer, you turn up with a cashier's check, you hand a cashier's check over the lawyer signs, everything kind of, you know, over there. Um, I mean, maybe again, I'm doing it kind of old school here, I'm just trying to get a, a better picture here of, you know, of when would you use escrow? And when would you use a lawyer? Or is it really just kind of like a decision that someone needs to make? Well, the issue there is, look, the lawyers at the end of the day, they're representing somebody, one side True. or the other, True. right? So it's, it's, it's like, I mean, I'm a lawyer by training, right? It's like, I understand very well what lawyers are doing and advocating on behalf of their clients. But if you don't have somebody that's impartial and in the middle, I mean, that's why escrow exists. Obviously, we got plenty of lawyers in the US. We got, you know, just like we do in Costa Rica, just like we do in other countries. Yep. So it's really more of, I will tell you, I don't see a single deal being done any longer with North American participants that isn't escrowed at all. Now, we still see it in Mexico. You may see it being done Mexican national, Mexican national. And I suspect it's the same thing in Costa Rica and in other Latin countries as well, where there isn't a history of sort of escrow services. But the issue with that is ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you know, you show up as a buyer to some lawyer and that's the seller's lawyer, even if it's yeah. your lawyer that, you know, they're still trying to figure out, well, when are you, you're going to give me this, or I'm going to give you this. No, who's going to get the money. Who's going to get the deed. How do I know you're not going to, you know, that this, that something doesn't happen. And all of a sudden they've got your money 
and now you can't get the deed because something get, got held up really in between. That's exactly why you use escrow is to make sure that that dispute gets mitigated. Because if we're holding the money and all of a sudden it's like seller says, wait a minute, uh, you know, we got this issue or buyer says, wait a minute, I just discovered this. Don't release those funds. We aren't releasing the funds. Yeah. So it's, I mean, you know, we deal with this every single day across the U.S. And certainly we see it in Latin America, although maybe a little, maybe a little bit less because it's in the U.S. We're providing title insurance on every single transaction. So it's generally speaking, there, there's, there's, a, there's other steps, but it's like, that's why you use escrow is to avoid that. Hey, you represent, you're going to represent me or you're going to represent them. And, you know, when is my money going and transferring and all this other stuff? You know, lawyers have loyalties. They have to, they have a duty to represent their client. So at the end of the day, yeah, you show up and you may give them a check, but that doesn't mean it's done, you know? So that's, that's what I would say is we're seeing it more and more even between foreign nationals or, or nationals of various countries that this is happening more and more even between those parties where you don't even have, uh, you know, a foreigner involved. Um, and, you know, we've adjusted for, we, in the various markets that we're in, we've adjusted to make sure that our services are still relevant to those, to those consumers of our services as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, you know, going back to it, I'm like, this makes complete sense of why someone would use it because, I mean, you just never know what's going to turn up at any point during the whole process. So the ability to just put the pause button or even the stop button on it per se, um, you know, I, I think is, is very, very smart. Whereas again, if you're, you know, it's, you can't do that if you've got a lawyer. And again, I, I think you bring up a great point there that the lawyer is being paid by someone and it's either the buyer or the seller, you know, um, and, and they're working for them. Whereas you guys are completely impartial because at the end of the day is if theoretically you do a great job, you're going to get a great reference. If you do a bad job, you're going to get a bad reference and no one's going to want to use you. It only takes that one bad, you know, reference on your guys' side to be like, oh, I'm not too sure about this. You know, it, are they really, you know, impartial? Um, so yeah, so no, I mean, I think it makes, you know, it makes complete sense. And uh, I'm glad to hear more and more people are using it down here for, for yeah. protection. Yeah, the other place that you see that it's it's absolutely going to be required to have somebody like us in the middle is, is if there's going to be a lender of any type. Right. And, you know, we're starting to see a little bit more lending activity in Costa Rica on some of the transactions that we've been involved with. It's typically private lending, obviously. And, and you know, maybe it's a developer setting up a financing kind of vehicle or somebody setting it up for the developer um, or you know, it could be a variety of things, but, you know, every lender is going to want some kind of an intermediary to make sure that the money is going to where it's supposed to be going. And they're not just going to show up and write a check and just hand it over to a lawyer. So, you know, it's, it's, and that's why obviously part of it is in the U S we have a very, very developed, obviously mortgage system um, that every single transaction, generally speaking, has some kind of a mortgage, um, you know, or a loan on it. So it's, you know, so in, in all of those cases, we also see lenders just driving the use of it. Yeah. You know, I, I'd actually thought about putting a travel escrow company together at the, at the start of the pandemic. The reason was, is I, I worked for a travel company, Namu Travel Group, and, you know, we prepaid a lot of vacations. Uh, so we'd sent the money to the hotels, you know, and then when COVID happened and we had to refund the money back, we had to go and get the money back from, from, the, from the providers. So, I mean, our job theoretically became, you know, we were, I suppose, you know, we were collecting, you know, trying to get that money back to give it back to the partner where I was like, wow, if there was an escrow service in the middle there for travel that took care of that, that released it once the client arrived at the property, you wouldn't have had this issue. The money would have been returned directly back to the customer. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's funny. There's another, there's a buddy of mine here uh, who lives in Phoenix who has a um, 
high-end travel consultancy business. And he approached me about the same thing. The challenge is just, how do you make that work operationally? I mean, it works if you're talking about, pro, you know, things that, that cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, which is kind of where we yeah. deal in transactions. Um, but, you know, if it's something where you spent 10 grand or something like that, um, it's, yeah. it's just hard. It's harder to justify the cost given what sort of our cost structure looks like. That, that's I mean, my I, opinion. Yeah, I, I, I complete that. That was where I got with it. I mean, I even went down as far as looking at blockchains and smart contracts and, you know, right down the rabbit hole of it. Um, and then was just like, wow, this, you know, this is getting way too complicated. And I don't think the industry is ready for blockchain and smart contracts and, you know, cryptocurrency. I was like, not yet anyway. Um, but well, I mean, this has been enlightening. I, again, you know, I think a, a bunch of the, the people listening in here are going to be like, you know, I mean, when they come to buy or when they come to sell, we'll probably be in contact with you guys. So I'm going to put all the contact details there in the descriptions so that they can reach out to you guys. But I, I do have a question uh, for, for both of you. I'll ask you individually um, and Sheila first. If, okay. if you, I like to ask everyone this. If you inherited $500,000 and had to invest it in a business or in real estate in Costa Rica, um, and again, feel free to just be like, I don't know the answer to this because I'd like to throw it at some people. And a lot of people are just like, I really don't know. You know, what would you do with what would you do with five hundred thousand? Where would you invest it here in Costa Rica? Oh, we'll definitely definitely buy a property. I would say in well, it's hard in Dominical or in Uvita. I, I'm not sure. I just love those two places. I've been there a couple of times. I just fell in love with the site. I mean, everything's just so nice, so green. I mean, the, the people, um, the food. I'm just in love with Costa Rica, honestly. But if I, I think I move and, and buy a property somewhere else besides Mexico, that's where I would go. That's where you would find me, Frank. Well, it's, it's a great area. I mean, it's a real booming area, that area. You know, it's kind of, yeah. I always compare that area to Nasada here in Costa Rica because Nasada was kind of, you know, it's the, uh, it's a very expensive area. Dominicabo Vita is not as expensive, but like typically has kind of more of the millennials, digital nomads, you know, kind of people looking for a, a bit more of a relaxed environment rather yeah. than, you know, build up towns like Hako and Tamarindo at the beach. So good choice. Uh, what about you, Frank? Well, you know, look, I'm not as uh, a sophisticated investor when it comes to Costa Rica completely, but I can tell you just looking at uh, what I'm seeing from a trend perspective and where I'm seeing uh, American dollars pour in from an infrastructure perspective. And I would say that's in the Northwest in Guanacaste. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've, I've seen what's happened in Cabo and it's turned into, you know, sort of Southern California South, if you will. I mean, obviously, it's part Baja California if you go all the way down the coast. But the you know, what's really happened is people have just started to, to it just builds on itself. It snowballs. Right. Once you get the infrastructure in and you've got very easy airport access there. Yep. And to me, that's the biggest I mean, that's the hardest part about the southern areas is the infrastructure to get there is something that high net worths in the United States are going to find unpalatable because you don't have, you know, fixed base operations for private jet travel and things like that. And in Liberia, you have, you know, a you know, pretty easy way to get to Papagayo or to some of the other regions that are developing. I also know that there are some very uh, prominent American developers that are looking up at that in that area uh, in particular. And I think that's probably if I'm thinking about where am I going to go where I know that there'd be resale, there'd be uh, a voluminous market to potentially sell my property into as an investor, because that's the way you described it, not just if I want to go by and live there and stay there forever. I would say that, you know, if I had 500 grand, I would probably be looking in that region. Um, 
And, you know, and I think I probably wouldn't be disappointed if I were to look out 10 or 15 years. So. Definitely. Well, I actually spoke to Rebecca Clower uh, earlier on this week. She's the owner of Blue Water Properties, which is one of the uh, largest real estate companies in that area. And she says it's, it's on fire at the moment. She does not have enough product. I mean, that's her biggest issue at the moment. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it certainly seems that there is a tendency to be looking up towards Guanacaste as well as, I mean, even with the infrastructure, you know, a lot of people are moving down south here as well. You know, it, it, below Mamon Antonio Dominical or Vito Hochal, um, you know, but I think you bring up some great points there of high net worth people are probably, you know, they're going to want ease, you know, and simplicity of, of flying into Liberia and within 30 minutes to an hour at the most, you know, being at the beach. So, 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 yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate both your time. Uh, it's been very insightful for me, and I'm sure that the readers uh, will do as well. And again, anyone that wants to contact uh, TLA, I'll place all the contact details in the description. Um, and I, uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to you guys again soon. Thank you so much, Richard. It was a pleasure. Yeah. No worries. Have a great day, guys. All right. Take care.